Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. Hello, everyone. Hello, dear listeners. And today we're doing something a little new on the show. We are going to be talking about the biological and social habits of rabbits. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Rabbit Vanguard. I am one of your co co buns, uh, Ash Darrow, joined as always by. Um, yeah. I'm just because I think this bit might fall working. apart quite quickly. <laughs> this, this, I, I don't know. I. You know, if you'd maybe let in with like a David Attenborough impersonation, oh, there I we go. Been on board. Yep. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do the Attenborough voice though, so that would have, I would have just. Oh well, well, you know, we try, we we try here at Horror Vanguard to do new things and to to keep it fresh, keep it fresh. Uh, how's it going, John? <laughs> uh, I I I am I'm really good, and I am I I feel like this episode is kind of like uh, one of our cultural exchange episodes. Oh, I love these. I do love these. Uh, you you have introduced me to so many landmarks of Wisconsin cinema, um, and now now it's time to continue yours and by proxy many of our listeners' education into the dark, teeming, s- psychic nightmare that is British subjectivity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in this case, it involves a lot of dead bunny rabbits. So. We're in for a good time, everybody. <laughs> well, wa- watching this, I did have a lot of moments going, "Oh, so that's why they're that way." Hmm. Mm. So, so, uh, uh, no spoilers, but we're talking about Watership Down today. Something I I hadn't seen uh, until you you decided we're doing this episode. <laughs> uh, of course, we are talking about um, we are talking about the 1978 film. We're not talking about the. Uh, uh, the animated TV series from 1999. We're not talking about the 2018 animated series, and we are not, sadly, talking about the uh, uh, tabletop role-playing game um, that Watership Down inspired. But maybe, maybe we should have done. We're just talking about the movie. I have heard good things about that tabletop game. So. Have you played Bunnies and Burrows? It strikes me as the kind of thing that you would have played. Uh, is actually on my short list. And and there's, there's some, some other games that are also uh, in in the vein of that that I'm very very curious to pick up and give a try. So, yeah, I think is this the first time we've talked about TTRPGs and other tabletop gaming on on this the it, Horror Vanguard podcast? It is not going to be the last. It won't time. be the it won't be the last. <laughs> We're going to do a Call of Cthulhu TTRPG something at some point if I if I have my way. Yes, yes, yes. So much fun. <laughs> I just I just got Shadows Over Scotland, and I am so excited to crack into that. Um, anyway. Uh, that's, we need to do that as like a spinoff. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, oh yeah. But this isn't, this isn't the Horror Vanguard Call of Cthulhu TTRPG session spinoff show. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, so uh without without further ado, uh Ash, could you tell us what <laughs> Watership Down is really all about? <laughs> I've I've 
Look, I have one job. I have one job on this podcast, okay? If you're going to make me... If you're going to... Like, fine. You know what? Fuck you. Give us your brilliantly written theory fiction pricey. How... I have one job. <laughs> your, your job has now been automated. <laughs> yeah, the real victim of AI automation are podcasters. So, like, go on, get, drop your drop your usual brilliance. I'm. I don't even need to be here. Take take it away. Take it away. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, we have fun. I'm trying to like, I have to compose myself. The seer, the prophet, the mad, all have the unique ability to look beyond the horizon of culture. The leaden curtain of capitalist realism that inscribes the mind is parted only by Cassandra and her children. Hazel, Bigwig, Heisenflay, all find their usefulness to others forged in Fiverr's psychic fire. Our band of rabbits only discover a pathway to freedom through the rupturous rapture of Fiverr's visions. Born the runt of the litter, Fiverr bears a dangerous gift. An ability to see a version of what could be that is not caught within the summoning circle of what is. Fiverr is mad. It is the fortune of all rabbit kind that the society in which Fiverr lived never moved to snuff out his fire. Current definitions of sanity are always operational and deeply ideological. We must first turn to the material conditions of an allegedly sane world before accepting their working definitions of what is functional and what is dysfunctional. Lest the fivers that are our family, our friends, and our lovers have their fires snuffed out by a society that has woefully coupled health to productivity. From the Icarus Project's Harm Reduction Guide to Coming Off Psychiatric Drugs. We need to challenge ableism in all forms, and question the wisdom of adapting to oppressive, unhealthy, and environmentally suicidal societies. A society that is in many ways itself quite crazy. A social model of disability means accepting human differences, seeing society as needing to change, and no longer treating the impacts of poverty and oppression as medical problems. Our real needs are entwined with the broader needs for social justice and ecological sustainability. The point is not that Fiverr is singular, nor is it that he should be elevated or detached from his peers. The point is that without Fiverr, all of these other rabbits would die. And without these other rabbits, Fiverr would be dead as well. Our needs are far greater than our individual ability, and the diversity of that ability is our greatest strength. Be swift, be cunning, as we discuss Watership Down. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, do you need me here for the rest of this? Do you want <laughs> We absolutely need you here for the rest of this, because the, the American qu- equivalents of this are like Fievel Goes West or like Homeward Bound. We, we do not have these sciences in this country. <laughs> Oh, meh, meh, meh. you activated the trap card. You activated <laughs> the trap card. I feel, I feel you. I, straight away, as we enter into the formalism zone, 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 zone. The, the formalism, formalism zone. There is. So this is a this is a an a an animated adaptation of a 
really well-known and really well-respected uh, novel. Um, comes out in 1978. In 1978, there is also another uh, famous animated adaptation of an incredibly well-known British novel, uh, but that is one made by an American director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, the obvious pairing that we should kind of start to talk about in terms of, like, the the, the formal structure of these is this, Watership Down, uh, and Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Uh, and the ways like they come out in the same year they come out in the same year right this is this is an intensely not even british this is a very english film uh lots of the lots of the setting was taken directly from uh places that richard adams had drawn in the book um and real life places mostly around uh, the county of hampshire uh whereas you and so you have bakshi so you have and it's made in this very it's made by some kind of like uh, it's got it's got like Ralph Richardson, who along with Sir John Gilgood and Laurence Olivier was like that was the holy trinity of, of English theatre acting. Like Ralph Richardson is in this, John Hurt is in this, like Richard Briers, the, all of the like mm-hmm. it's an intensely English movie. And at the same time, you've got Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, which is like the American adaptation of a very English property. Yeah. So I am super curious to, to see what you thought about this as someone who. You know, you're you're you are an Anglophile American. What 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 what's your take on this? <laughs> I am I am cursed to walk both worlds. Yes. Um, so I, I obviously I think I think this is really interesting. And like while I'm watching this, like I'm I, I'm thinking of like the the immediate historical precedent, right? Like I'm thinking of World War II, right? Because this, we have rabbit trench warfare. We have rabbits getting gassed in the trenches. We have these kind of brutal rabbit military dictatorships. That are popping up in this idea that you need to put your needs aside and be in service of your rabbit state, you know, like like st- stiff upper lip, you know, carry on. It, it it has a lot of those like there's like rabbit austerity going on in a lot of this. So so it has all those notes to it. Um, and then like it, it's just like I also kept thinking of like okay, what would the American version of this look like? Uh, yeah. Because none of the rabbits, and the, the thing I kept going back to is like none of the rabbits have guns, and and like, <laughs> I'm thinking of the American version of this, and and they're like, like like they learn how to use a Gatling gun or something. Like that's that's the big American twist is that the the rabbits figure out how firearms work. How how about you? How about you as someone as someone who has been steeped and mired in England for for aeons? Yeah, yeah, sadly. Um, so yeah, so occasionally, occasionally we do these, we do these kind of like uh, cultural exchange episodes, you know, as we call them in our kind of tongue in cheek way. But like, if you talk about this movie online, you'll get so many people going, "Oh, this movie scarred me when I was a kid." Like, so it comes out of this really interesting period in the history of British film and British media generally, um, and often media for younger audiences for like kids and teenagers mm-hmm. and young adults that was explicitly focused on uh, nature and horror yeah like it, we're in the we're in the high point of uh the british folk horror movement so there's like some super interesting very complicated stuff oh yeah right at the end of the 70s as the kind of like the hippie utopianism of the 60s kind of curdles into something a lot darker. Um, you know, there's the era of like, I was sliding into the era of like Thatcherism and of J.G. Ballard. Mm-hmm. So like there's so many interesting things happening in the cultural landscape. 
and it comes from this time where like uh british animation was doing some really interesting things that a lot of later like maybe we'll get onto this next but like this is a this is a great kids movie this is a great mm-hmm. kids movie and it is and it it got a lot of like shit when it first came out for being too scary but i think it's exactly the right amount of scary um and it's been so formative on so on so many people it has this there there are there are images in this which have a kind of real power um i don't know what do you think I mean, there's so much to respond to here. The animation and and the watership, the animated watership down is beautiful. This is stunning, like just just phenomenal. And the full the full horror take, I love that. I love that so much. The the Black Rabbit of Inslee, like Fiverr's yeah. Fiverr's psychic or perhaps even occultic visions, like yeah. this is a absolutely this is a deeply mystic text. Like, like, it's, I mean, it opens, it opens with yes. like a religious creation myth. Yes, and, and and that's also something that like, I've noticed this from a lot of like British texts. There, there, Lord of the Rings uh, it was a very apt comparison. There is this kind of like reinventing of the creation myth that's happening, and like the pre pre ascension of like the neoliberal capitalism and post war environment, and and all of them are like beholden to like this kind of reckoning of a grim sense of folk horror. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because it's about, it's about, it's a very specific relationship with place. Yep. Right. I, the moment you realize this is a folk horror is like in the opening third of the movie, there's the, there's that great moment where the badger pops his head out of the, uh, of the undergrowth, uh, with a mouth that's kind of like dripping in blood. And one of the, one of the small rabbits goes, I have blood in his teeth. And it's like, yes, that's, mm-hmm. that's exactly how, you know, you're in a folk horror because there's a kind of, uh, a, a miasma of violence and death mm-hmm. that permeates the entire film. Right. Really? Is there, is there an agent? There's, you know, uh, there's our big bad where we have our kind of like a great fight scene at the end, but like, is there an agent of violence? Because you're quite right. Like Fiverr is a, uh, Fiverr is a prophet. Mm-hmm. Who who sees beyond the the sees under the skin of existence? You know the yeah. field is literally the field is full of blood, and it's like yes, uh, as Ben Wheatley would later go on to prove. Right? Yes, yes. the fi- the the fields of England are full of blood. <laughs> Ab- absolutely, there, there, there's a. There's there's a great sense of instability here because like our our rabbits who want to just live in peace and tranquility are they're they're either like confronted with you know like carnivorous predators the indifference of man or for for reasons that we will absolutely be getting into every rabbit society instantly recreates a violent patriarchal military dictatorship yeah we're gonna have to talk about fascism <laughs> we're gonna have a little, little problem right there. Yeah, how 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 the movie treats the general in in the end, I I think that is ooh, there's a discussion. But yeah, this is this is a super interesting. In in a way, the film doesn't capture quite a lot of what goes into Adam's book, um, where he he kind of fleshes out this whole mythology, almost like a cosmology, um, with the great uh, god Frith. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rabbits have their own language, yeah. which you get little bits of in the film. Um, but nowhere near is in the depth and detail of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that taps it into like, think of, you know, the, the people who live on Summer Isle and their own 
like the horror is not necessarily what they do. Their the the horror the folk horror element comes from the cosmological understanding, the metaphysics of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fol- folk horror is a network relationship. It's it's not that there's there's a cult on Summer Isle and and they have these horrifying practices. It's that that needs to interface with like a quote unquote modern world. And and the, the exact same thing is happening to Fiverr and Heisenthal and Hazel and like all these all these fun little bunnies. <laughs> you know, like like they have that same collision with a with a modernity that has become you know like it, it's pretty terrible that like some some people need to be burned alive in a giant wicker man for the next harvest to be successful however capitalism does that on a scale that is like relentlessly terrifying and that's that's yeah. one of i think the grim contrasts of folk horror um do you want to talk about maybe one of the weirder choices in this movie which is uh, art garfunkel <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we need, we need to talk about the man, the myth, the legend. I, I, I found that, like, so that, that, that little, there, there's a couple, like, musical breaks in this one where we just get to rock out to some tunes while the rabbits are doing things. Um, and I, I found those moments to be, like, I was really kind of intrigued by those, because are, are those early examples of, like, Oh, the kids movie throwing some stuff for the adults. Like, oh, the the adults like that art Garfunkel. Have a have a song. You know, the kids will the kids will zone out for a second and you'll get to enjoy a nice little bop. But it also like it really like Garfunkel's music is like haunting and sad and deeply indebted to folk musical traditions. And it's like even the happy songs are kind of pained. And it pairs so well with this film. Um, weirdly, I'm not a massive fan of the Garfunkel song. I think it's a little bit bland. Mm-hmm. The rest of the music in this film absolutely fucking rules. Oh, it's great. Um, and that is because of the um, composer and conductor and trans icon, Angela Morley, mm-hmm. um, who was a kind of like uh, uh, an incredible... Uh, musician, an incredible orchestrator, won uh, like a shit ton of Emmys, was nominated for an, uh, for an Oscar, uh, did a load of like really iconic music themes, and the themes for different characters in this are really really strong. Uh, Kaha's theme uh, is amazing and is based off like a motif from uh, a Debussy piece. Um, so like Angela Morley's work is just amazing, and I'm so and when I when I was kind of like going actually hang on. And I had to look up the credits to the film, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Um, and there's there's such kind of like deep mood and atmosphere that's yeah. evoked through them. And and you're right, it ties back to like the English folk tradition, but like also English romanticism mm-hmm. as well, um, which entirely creates this really interesting like sonic slash visual friction because you have this kind of like romantic evoking of the of the english pastoral when at the same time the visual language is showing you that that pastoral is kind of like a complete lie yeah (laughs) right that's what that's what makes the music so engaging oh i i completely agree and that's one of my one of my favorite things about this movie is that whether whether you're in England or the United States of America, like you always have to be really, I would say, uh, you know, cast a weary eye to anyone who starts waxing about the bucolic joys of the rural landscapes. 
you know because like nature is beautiful and wonderful but like people who crave the bucolic farm life often are doing it for very ideological reasons and this film is, is such a great exploration of like that that kind of like that nostalgia for that countryside is undercut by like just immense violence and loss and tragedy yeah like like the film literalizes this right yeah. the first place that they find uh is um uh is is the the borough where they've got oh the farmer leaves out food for mm -hmm. us that's a, that's amazing ain't that neat but it's be is that's really cool we should stay here but it's because like the all of the land is covered in snares and there's that horrifying basically like torture scene yeah where where bigwig is just like choked out and is dying in front of them mm -hmm. and it's like yeah there you, there you go you th this kind of beautiful idyllic harmonious nature is actually dependent upon a uneradicable violence there is at, at the core of it right and you can't idealize that you can't you have to under, you have to understand that critically yep. rather than turning it into either an idealization of violence's absence which is a kind of naivety or idealizing the violence itself which is kind of eco-fascism oh oh absolutely absolutely and that that, that that sequence was one of like the kind of most upsetting things for me in watching watership down not not bigwig fighting for his life but the the lead up to that where they meet like the, the so in this warren there's an entire civilization of rabbits that are just completely anhed anhedonic totally cowed they've given up on the traditional rabbit faiths and and ways of knowing and they just they know that some of their number will get caught in these snares and die but they've accepted it because every now and then some treats fall through the ceiling and that it just that casts a dire reflection for just our position as the working class more broadly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to run, you have to get out, you mm -hmm. have to leave. Um, it's all right. Let's we've, we've danced around this a little bit, but let's, let's talk about the formal, the formal elements here of animation and the presentation, particularly of death. Uh, uh, in what is ostensibly a film for children. What do you think about that? I, I thought it was extremely effective. So so I, I had never seen this, but of course, like, I'm familiar with the text of Watership Down. I kind of knew what it was about. Um, and I had seen tons of, like, stills and clips and, and memes built off of Watership Down. Um, and so, like, I kind of knew what I was getting into, um, but, like, you know, I, I posted that I was going to watch this for the first time, and I had so many people telling me that, I, like, oh, get ready for, like, the darkest, sickest, most fucked thing you've ever seen. And and it really, like, it really wasn't. These, these scenes where the rabbits die are appropriately terrifying. Like, like they are as violent and scary and and visceral as they need to be to to get get across the weight of, of the moment like i really appreciate that the animation really sells a kind of like gross physicality to their death without kind of with, with without like doing the kind of like uh like corpse mutilation overjoyed kind of like gorno thing which is appropriate in some yeah. context just definitely not this one and the other side of that is that it doesn't kind of like overly anthropomorphize the animals. Yeah. 
Um, so R- Richard Adams, who's the book's author, got loads of questions about what the book was quote unquote really about. You know, was uh, was Hazel like a Christ metaphor? Was where uh, the Ephaphra uh, Warren was that a metaphor for Stalinism or for mm-hmm. fascism? And he always went, no, it's about rabbits. It's about rabbits. <laughs> King. It's about rabbits. It's a, it's just a story about rabbits. And you, uh, and I don't agree, but I do also kind of love that response. I mean, that's the that's the right but, response to give because if you say it's about whatever, it, I don't know, it takes the fun out of it. But um, he did also like famously hate a lot of like overly sanitized children's media. Good. Um, and it, and I'm like, yeah, king, king shit. This is this is exact. This is a. Gr- I I mean this entirely unironically. This is a great movie for kids. Oh, absolutely! This is a great movie for kids because it is. It's scary and it's sad, but ultimately, this is a film about. Uh, as all films on horror vanguard are. This is a film about friendship. <laughs> I thought you were about to say a film about rabbits, which I guess is also true. <laughs> this is this is a film about friendship, about being brave, and about doing the right thing. And it's like mm-hmm. it's so much better than like the overly sanitized, overly polished crap that gets foisted off as being like for kids now. Yeah. Oh, they're kids. They're not, they're not going to care if it's rubbish. It's like no. Like if you're if you're a child, you just you deserve exciting meaningful cinema oh, oh, just yeah, as much yeah. as anybody else 100 percent, and and i think the sanitization is an important thing to kind of focalize with watership down because this is this is a violent movie with lots of brutal on-screen deaths but nothing in this film happens that that is inappropriate for children in the slightest like you're, you're totally correct this, this is the kind of media that children should be watching and perhaps even watching more of yeah absolutely Absolutely. And if, I mean, like, and to kind of like put a pin in that or not put a pin in that. That's the wrong. That's the wrong thing to say to to tie that to a rabbit. <laughs> like because this overly sanitized stuff like Paw Patrol or whatever, deeply ideological. That is extremely ideological, ideologically driven. You know, the more you strip away from something, the the more it becomes like this this tool. Right. And what is it? What is it a tool for? Becomes the unanswered but ultimately most important question. But when you leave all that stuff in, when you let it, like children are beings of the world, and so are these tragic rabbits. You know, like we to hide yeah. those things is just a deep tragedy. Like you can't, like you know, you can't, you can't. This is the this is the kind of brutal fact of any kind of existence, which is that you can't hide from contingency. You can't hide from death. And we we spend huge amounts of emotional energy, like not doing so or trying to like shield it and, and obfuscate it. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's so refreshing to see a kids movie that just goes, no, death is death is real, and sometimes it's really sad, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do, and it can be really scary. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you go suddenly, oh, okay. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely, and like. Children are a lot tougher than I think they're given credit for, especially when we're discussing like horror media. Y- you know, like the y- y- Megan Mithrigan, the movie that just came out. It's a great teen movie. It's a movie for teens. Y- you know, like you know, and and like slightly older kids like that. I think horror is such a good genre uh, for younger audiences, and a lot of horror is, especially like even like movies like Halloween. You know, Halloween's a great movie for teens. In like, 
Uh, and this is this is how we get like cancelled by like a, a concerned Moms of America group. <laughs> uh, Mumsnet, Mumsnet's gonna have fun with this episode. Uh, yes, absolutely. Mumsnet, show your children the 1978 Watership Down. Thank <laughs> us later. Well, I suppose this this raises an interesting final formal question, which yeah. is like, what what kind of movie do you think this is? Because I think there are some really interesting answers to that. Well, that's a good point. I mean, we've already talked about how this is a folk horror movie. What else? What What else would we say as we try to like give this some kind of useful taxa? Uh, we could call this a road movie. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could call this a uh, a war film. Definitely. Um, we could we could call this a uh, like say a political thriller. Yeah. Uh, what what do you, what do you think if you had to if you classifying this film Ooh. what do you think is the is the most based on the language of the of the film itself what do you think is the 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 best way of like treating this on a formal level in terms of its genre um so, so i agree with all of your suggestions right um there, there's there's something of like there's like a heist movie in here a little bit because you have like you you have like your your gang that assembles and each of them has their like unique skill that they bring to the party and and they're questing to achieve this thing so it's got that kind of angle to it a little bit. Um, but I, I think, like, uh, I just keep thinking, there's an American movie called Homeward Bound. And it, and it has so many weird similarities to this. The, uh, Watership Down is infinitely better. But, like, it, it reminds me a lot of Homeward Bound. And, and the existence of two movies in this category makes me think that this is a taxa unto itself. There, there's some I mean, unique the, categorization I, I, happening here. Yeah, we could call this like a British children's version of like an Alejandro Jodorowsky movie. <laughs> like it's the last that like ever done. Because <laughs> it's like we've got like religious mysticism, we've got violence, we've got like surreal moments, we've got like. Yep. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Uh, th- this is the this is El Topo with bunnies. You're totally right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as we as we as we wrap up our formalism zone, then where where would you like to as we dig into the burrow of discourse? Where would you where would you like to go? So I, I think we should. I mean, like, so I I had heard this quote for years. I, I I knew I knew this quote. I knew people who have this quote tattooed on them, but I never knew where it came from. Um, uh, but for uh, so uh, uh, the the whole like, if they catch you, they will kill you. But first, they must catch you. Be cunning and full of tricks. Um, like very familiar with that. And now I know where it comes from. But I think I think that's kind of important to to j- jump into as a bit of discourse. What do you, what do you make of what what well, I think you could well, argue is the most important or at least most popular <laughs> line in the text? Well, let <coughs> let us share the whole the whole quote. Oh, go for it, please. All the world will be your enemy, prince, with a thousand enemies. And whenever they catch you, they will kill you. But first, they must catch you. Digger, listener, runner, prince with the swift warning, be cunning and full of tricks, and your people shall never be destroyed. I love that quote. All, all the world will be your enemy. 
Uh, and if they catch you, they will kill you. But first, they must catch you. It's great. It's 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 such it's such a good kind of like distillation mm-hmm. of what does it mean to be prey. Yeah. What do you think about that quote? What do you think about that kind of? It's the it's the line that opens the film. It's the line that closes the film. I I, I just think it's so it, it's interesting and kind of like bunny cosmology, right? Like in in the kind of like a religious mysticism that these rabbits practice, right? Like the, the kind of like accepting of this place that they have and, and building the worldview around that, and the kind of like the way it describes the rabbit. I love that digger listener runner. I, I really, really, really like that as a framework, you, you know, like because it, it, these rabbits live in a military dictatorship. And I think you, you could it could have easily fallen into being like talking about the rabbits as warriors of some kind or like kind of ensconcing them into that violence. But it, it, it lets them be it lets them be outside of that. And I think that, that is there's something kind of like really useful for a left political analysis right like if you're if you're at all marginalized or oppressed and you hear that that reading you know it's gonna be like oh yeah yeah but first they must catch me uh i i haven't watched i hadn't watched the film for years and years but do do you want to know the last place i heard that quote the the last place i heard that quote was in the middle of uh was from uh noah gervais in the middle of their four four hour Dark Souls review, where they use that they use that quote as a description of how it feels to play the Dark Souls games. Mm-hmm. All all the world will be your enemy, and if they catch you, they will kill you. But first, they must catch you. So be cunning and full of tricks. Not only is that how you survive in the world of Watership Down, that's how you survive in Dark Souls. Uh, well, Watership Down is a Souls-like. That's that's for sure. <laughs> Ka- Kafka and his precursor strikes again. The Invincible Essay. Um, what's really interesting is is how much of this is tied up in the kind of mythology and cosmology of the world, which is like, at one point, one of the rabbits say, says that like humans hate us. They've always hated us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's Hazel who has to go, no, they just don't think about us. They don't yeah. think about us at all. Like cruelty and violence is very depersonalized in this until we get to the final third of the film. Like even the farmer is never shown properly. Like he's just a pair of legs with a shotgun, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's like, w- w- yeah, I'm kind of curious to know what you think about this. Like how do, how do humans fit into this? How does agency fit into this? Like, how does this this idea of like, where does the violence come from? I I think this is this is like, located locating cruelty in Watership Down. I think for me it was one of the biggest things I thought about while watching this. Uh, because the text like expressly portrays carnivorous animals as being inherently disposed to like cruelness and villainy. Um. You know, you know, like we we the cat is literally referred to as a cruel thing, um, and humans are outside of that, right? Humans are repeatedly and expressly referred to not as cruel but as indifferent. You know, um, we get this thing where, where Bigwig teaches everyone to cross a road, and and Big, I think it's Bigwig, it's Bigwig, right? I think that's Bigwig who's teaching everyone how cars work, um, and the, the Bigwig walks on the road, and, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, the cars are going to kill you. Get out of there!" And he's like, "No, they they don't care that I'm here." 
and then one zips past him and then he almost gets ran over by one coming from the other direction um so it's interesting to me because like obviously this text was written by a human unless it was written unless this is a ratatouille a rabatouille situation rabbit tui um <laughs> so it's interesting to me that humans are expressly and on multiple occasions removed from discourses of cruelty and it's like oh we're not we're not cruel we're indifferent well no it's we're cruel you know we're it's indifference is cruelty what, what's the meaningful line there you know, the cat isn't cruel because it's hunting the rabbit. The dog isn't cruel because it's eating some rabbits. They're they're carnivorous mammals. That is that is their purview in life. Rabbits, cats hunt these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, what, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I think... That, so, like I say, I used, a, I used a phrase in our notes called weaponization of the pastoral. Yeah. Um, now, that's originally a term used by... Uh, Robert Baden-Powell, the founder of the Scout Movement. Oh. Who, who used to disguise information to look like the landscape or to kind of look just kind of normal. Mm -hmm. And it was a way of communicate, communicating something that couldn't normally be seen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really like that as a model for understanding Watership Down, right? Because it gives you the pastoral vi vision but weaponizes that pastoral vision, right? To implicate us all in a kind of like, not, not an ontological, but a metaphysical level of violence, the kind of systemic violence that, that is intrinsically bound up with our own life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, not that this, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be annihilationist. I, I think you're right. You know, this idea of like imputing agency to the animals is, is really unfair. But indifference is a kind of violence. Yep. But it's a violence that is, is practiced in a way that is not the same thing as agential violence yeah. or specific violence. So I think there's something super interesting in this idea of like taking Zizek's idea of like, uh, mm -hmm. what is it? Uh, objective and, and specific acts of violence. And Worship Down is in many ways a film about objective violence. You know, the pastoral, mm -hmm. under, this, under the skin of the pastoral, right? The its appearance is you don't normally see the violence because you're not primed to look for it. And in the act of looking, this is a film that could maybe actually shake us out of that indifference. Absolutely. One of, my, one of the most kind of like moving experiences I had while watching this is the, the scene where, um, Oh, I forget the name of the, the rabbit, the rabbit, like military police officer who escapes the first war in after it's being destroyed for a housing development you oh, uh holly holly yeah. yep you you get the scene where holly is recounting the horrors of you know one of the one of the most terrifying moments in the entire film abs absolutely right and like what what holly is describing is there there are some you know workers up above and they're like plowing the earth to get it ready to make houses and then they're like they, they're also like, oh, they know there's a rabbit infestation here, so they have to gas all the rabbits before they can start building homes, otherwise you'll have problems down the road. And, like, that, that my, my description there was cold and technical for a point, right? Like, because for Holly, like, it was this, like, act of unknowable divine retribution that leveled the earth and flooded their homes with a toxic mist. It's so it's terrifying, you know. The burrows are filled in, like they're they're trapped underground, mm -hmm. like they're like buried in the bodies of the dead. Yep. It's 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 straight out of a horror movie, and it's it's like 
the the kind of clear visual references like testimony from soldiers in world war one and two yep, where absolutely. shells would like bear, would bury you alive in your trenches and you'd have to like dig yourself out of being smothered by corpses so it's like like it, it's 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 someone recounting a war story but in the most kind of like brutal way mm-hmm. oh totally totally and, and i mean like what's that, that for me like that that's by by a wide margin the single most like active horrific violence in the entire movie you know like we there are there are others that are much more personal like when bigwig's caught in the snare or the fight with the general in the end um but that one is like by by a league the most cruel thing that happens in the film yeah and i I think it's important to not lose sight of that that like a lot of the when we talk about like the horror that's just under the surface of these bucolic landscapes, it's the horror of how we've you know architectured our civilization. It's not something inherent to the natural world, right? Like a cat isn't horrific when it speeds off and kills a baby rabbit. That's that's the cat hunting. Cats hunt, but we as humans have a choice, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we've talked so much about the kind of metaphysics, the cosmology of this. We should probably talk about uh, the gift of prophecy. Uh, should we? Should we talk about uh, a sweet, a sweet short king, Fiverr? We should. We should. And in order to talk about Fiverr, you can give us a Fiverr on Patreon.com. Yeah, oh, he did it. <laughs> www.horrorvanguard.com less than a fiver even uh so more than a fiver if you've got extra fivers hanging around uh that's it that's it i had to do it somewhere there's nowhere good in watership down to be like whoa what's up guys smash that like button we're talking about rabbit world war ii yeah Uh, yeah, let us. Where would you like to begin with with five Fiver the prophet, the the seer of, the seer of the blood in the earth. I, I think like for me like you know like like right right away right away when Fiver like pops up on screen, I'm like oh this guy's like mad right. There's like a mental illness thing going on here, and then and then we like immediately go to like Fiver's uncontrolled visions. And like, I, I think like this is this is like the mental health angle here for me is like it's just so loud because like uh, under under a more human context, like Fiverr, Fiverr would have been medicated or otherwise sanitized, would have been sorted and stored. And any insights that Fiverr had to the world would have been discredited as acts of madness of of no meaningful value to society. When in fact, like Fiver- Fiverr saves everyone. Fiverr is the reason why these rabbits escape and like go on go on <laughs> let's talk about madness and civilization by michel yes, Foucault. yes that is that is everything here please reference that text <laughs> so like when they find the warren when they find watership down uh they go up and they uh, and one of the rabbits is like oh thank frith you know the rabbit god uh for making this for us and hazel responds that frith may have made it but fiverr found it for us yep like Fiverr is literally a channel for the divine. Like it's it's classic Foucault, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Is... And like like again, like like to 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 go back to the Precy, right? Like Fiverr Fiverr alone would have never been able to accomplish anything. It, it it took Fiverr's friends and family and and other other people that just openly accepted 
who Fiverr was and made use of that wisdom for this thing to become successful, for them finding that hilltop field to, to live on. Like it was, it was this, this effort of like, it is really tragically beautiful how Hazel and Fiverr and Heisenthalay and Holly and Bigwig all just respect each other, even if they have differences and disagreements and really, really painful disagreements that wind up getting some of them injured or worse. And, and I think that there's, there's, there's something about that to reflect on. Yeah, absolutely. Like what is, in a sense, in a sense, uh, like the, historically speaking, the prophet is always the figure on the outside Right, they, 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 like, it's not hard to see why, like, so, there's so much kind of work in uh, theology and film that's done on this, which is like when Fiverr literally calls them out of mm-hmm. their bu- bunny burrow to go to go wander through the through yep. the wasteland, mm-hmm. to go wander through the desert uh, <laughs> until they find you know paradise, they find the promised land, the thing that was foretold mm-hmm. to them. But it's like there's also this idea of like. Uh, there is no divine intervention in the world of Watership Down, right? Yeah. This is addressed explicitly in the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hazel tries to make a deal with God yep. uh, whilst whilst the rabbit is running up that hill. Uh, and if they only could, they'd make a deal with God. Yeah. Uh, and they... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, and you know they get a they get a they get a message back right yeah and they go, no what what is is what must be mm-hmm. which is like it's like a, a, a colossal statement uh and it's just kind of dropped right at the end of this film you go no you got like you have to deal with the consequences of being an agent of being enmeshed in this violent struggle this this web of life that continually regenerates itself and and I mean like the divine forces have already acted. Fiverr's there. Yeah, absolutely. Fi- Fiverr absolutely. was made to see, and see Fiverr does, and everyone else are. Well, you have your resources. You have your profit. You know the intervention was complete. Do something about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I think this brings us on to um, cute little bunnies and fascist dictatorships. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about the fact that rabbits naturally organize into military fascist dictatorships. <laughs> uh, I didn't know I that about bunnies rabbits. beforehand. I thought they were just cute and hopped around. I didn't know that they naturally organized along military lines. Uh, and for the for the record, uh, the general is a great horror movie villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah really really horrific drawing of a rabbit <laughs> like, like that will that will give you nightmares uh what do you think about the uh the the kind of like fascist bunny burrow so obviously this is coming off the heels of world war ii right and like i i think it's especially interesting that these all these rabbits are clearly british like they're English bunnies, you know. We we even have uh, so the bird shows up and and calls Hazel maidenless. I love the birds so much. <laughs> yeah, no chicks. Yeah, yeah. Um. So okay. So uh, so to lead in this, even though you are maidenless, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you know, like they they find this wounded bird, a seagull of some type, and they like nurse it back to health. And of course, it's a seagull. Of course, the seagull is loud, rowdy, and irresponsible, owing to the the Englishman's weird hatred for those birds. 
Um, but oh, my God, sorry, I totally lost track of everything I was saying because I started thinking of like all of the like, if you see a seagull, kill it on sight signs that you find in England. But I digress. <laughs> I digress. I can't defend those signs. I can't defend those signs. <laughs> Uh, baffling to me but i, I think I, I think like what what is startling for me is that like the fascism radiates from the interior right like it's not this like external thing that's imposed on these rabbits it's it's their own culture right like Ch- churchill was not too far away from the enemy he wound up fighting and i think that that is a very damning echo that shows up in watership down like what's what's interesting to me is like the general and that burrow are about the ontologization of violence, mm-hmm. right? So Hazel and Fiverr accept accept death and violence. It's kind of like the weather. It's something that happens. Yeah. Um and maybe you can do things to minimize it, maybe you can try and avoid it, but it, it might happen. Life is contingent, fragile, enmeshed in a web of things that you you on a subjective level can't control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kind of fascism, the kind of like dictatorship that you see is about order imposed through making violence simply a fact of subjectivity. Yeah. Uh, like the rabbit who has his ears torn apart. And like a, another really brutal scene. Uh, mm-hmm. and, is, and is then kept kind of like as, a, as like a prisoner. And like the body, the kind of the rabbit sort of like uh, scarred body is sort of held up as like the the literal ontologizing of violence the violence that is literally inscribed upon the flesh and I'm like did did Italian philosopher Giorgio Gambon have much to do with writing this film <laughs> oh my god yes yeah, yeah I mean the, this movie this movie you know it's it's like you break into it into the farm and you find the oh, you find all of the dough all of the does have been like caged up uh, and what what does ha- what Hazel promises them is uh, the freedom to do as you please, mm-hmm. right? But there is this there is this kind of like militaristic police state. There is this idea of like order and submission, um, and none of those are kind of like na- naturalized features of bunny life. Mm-hmm. They're all of these things which are imposed by a making making violence part of your ontology part of like how do you understand what it is to be a subject not only are you enmeshed within contingency of life you have the power to erase life um so the general is the general is great uh as a villain for for these ideas of like control and violence is a method and form of control about trying to eliminate the uh contingency and fragility of life through through force which is this weird kind of contradiction that you that you know ends up in him attempting to commit a rabbit genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, go off! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm so here for this. Um, yeah, yeah, and so, and so just the the general too. So like part part of the ending of this movie, right? Part of our denouement. Uh, Hazel kind of explains to us that you know, like the general was largely forgotten. Throughout throughout rabbit history, except for he lives on as like a cautionary tale that that rabbits tell to their children, like oh make yeah. sure to to listen to your parents or the general will get you. Yeah, it becomes a, a monster that will hide under your bed. And I, and I think like what that that's, that's such a good like cursed fate for a fascist dictator. 
you know, like to, to have all of your characters stripped away except for how your political enemy saw you and, and to have nothing of a legacy. Like, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's an interesting vision of the whole, like, you know, like creating a world in which horrible material conditions are literally unthinkable. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, there's an interesting echo here in like Del Toro's, oh, yeah. uh, Pals Labyrinth, right? How oh, do you yep. deal with fascists? No one will remember you. You will become you. All you will be will be a story told to children. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's, a cautionary that's tale. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to tell them like what not to grow into. And 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 I think it it would be easy to read the ending of this as like forgiving the general somehow, but like no, like the the general is like cosmologically imprisoned along yeah, with everything erased. he represents. He's, yeah, they don't even they don't even find his body. Yep. he's 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 deleted. He's gone. Yep. Yeah, he's just, just sunken back back into the earth. Yep, fascinating. And and the cage the caged rabbits too. I, I find their character fascinating because they they clearly they've never lived outside of the kind of farmed environment. So yeah. so they're they're just motionless and and completely passive and subdued. So that was that was another that was another scene that really freaked me out when he's trying to free them and they're all like, "Oh, gee, I don't know what's going on. Who are you?" Like there wasn't even yeah, an innate I mean, drive I mean, to be free in them. Yeah, freedom is freedom is learned and is learned through exercise, right? Is le- the exercise of freedom is how we learn to free ourselves. Yes, they they right. they needed to practice more rabbit prefiguration. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so uh, any okay? Final yes. uh, one quick final point. That's slightly off topic. Oh, let's do it. Uh, is it just is it just me, or does every single line of dialogue from uh, from Bigwig go insanely hard? It's like, <laughs> like my my favorite. Like it's like it's such a it's a cold line where like yeah. so the rabbit death is the black rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. When the general is about to invade and is threatening to tear all of their throats out, Bigwig just says, "Oh yeah, if I'm going with the black rabbit, some others are coming with me." And I'm like, "Go off!" Oh, he's he's such a he's he's such a great action hero. He's got these like yes. badass one-liners. <laughs> Looks like your watership is about to go down. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's just like I I I loved I loved him too unnecessarily cold in like everything he says i and i also I really um, um oh go on go on go on sorry no no go on go i was on. just gonna say my, my my closing thought is i really like their appraisal of death like it's very like death positive rabbit society you know like like the what what is um big wig is talking about the black rabbit of inlay and and says something like oh like it's you know like he's he's just doing the job that that the god frith assigned him or some, something along those lines. And it's just a very, like, open and accepting, like, death can still hurt them. It's still very tragic. They're not, like, transcendentally beyond the pain of dying. But they are, they're open to it. And, and I found that to be, to be very refreshing, that they give themselves the space to grieve while kind of accepting death as this, this thing that's out there in the world. I mean, just think of how the film ends. I thought, I, like... Oh, I, I love that. The, I found the end of the film like actually intensely moving, mm-hmm. uh, where like because Fiverr is not there to have the vision anymore, so Hazel has a vision, mm-hmm. a, like a vision of God. He goes, okay, you know the great great rabbit God Frith goes, okay, like you've you 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 must be tired. Come on, let go. 
And it's like, I, I, like I say, I found it, found it intensely moving. And it's this idea of like, at a certain point, being okay with the idea of death and being like, oh yeah, the people, there will be those who are left behind, but they'll be fine. Like, I think that's an enormously powerful thing mm-hmm. for a bit of, ch- for something of children's media to try and put across. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Right. And, and I think it's, it's important in the context of like Fiverr and ableism too. Like, like the fact that Hazel himself ultimately has a vision, has one of the portents that his brother had, sh- had been trying to share with him this entire time. Like this is really, it's just a beautiful way to wrap the story around and, and end it right where we started with these kind of like rapturous moments of sight. Any final thoughts? Um, if you if you like me had never watched Watership Down, but you're kind of vaguely familiar with it, I really recommend watching this. I have the I got the Criterion edition. Um, <laughs> I got really into Watership Down, uh, so now I'm I'm Watership Down pilled. Uh, I I really really cannot stress this enough. If you haven't seen this one, check it out. It is it is really beautiful. Don't watch the 2018 Netflix adaptation. It's rubbish. No, <laughs> it's. Uh, and it, again, it puts forward this really interesting, uh, not not explicitly leftist, but like no. useful for leftist cultural cultural analysis of of this idea of like British self identity, yeah. of like what what is what is Britain's relationship to itself, what is the kind of cultural consciousness, mm-hmm. and for all of its and for all of its gross reaction, like you know there is a tradition of British culture that is like. Jared Winstanley and the Diggers yes. and the Levelers and like proto-communism uh, and communal living and uh, an awareness of our own interconnectedness with both the land and the nature that lives on and under it. Um, so it's I, I I sort of think of it as as as, as a kind of an, an amazing fluke that it even exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have never seen it. You could get the Criterion edition, but the whole thing is on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if you don't want to get the Criterion edition, you you should. But the whole thing is on YouTube, and it's an incredible. Uh, you know, if you are a parent, show it to your kids. Oh, totally. Um, in the <laughs> parenting advice with horror vanguard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a spinoff show where we will never do a joke twenty minute episode for. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, And because it is scary and it will stick with them and it, but it will like the very best horror films, I think leave something good with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I disagree with Roger Ebert a lot, but I really do love his point that, you know, you come out of a good horror movie and you're glad to be alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, You come out of a bad one and you're depressed that you're still alive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But like a, a good horror movie, this is, this is a good horror movie. And you come out of it, uh, the 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 kind of like the 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 message of it is, I think, great for children. Uh, but you come out of it and you go, actually, the world is is can be a violent, scary place, but is also a very beautiful place. We hope you've enjoyed the dread discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.